Welcome to Supply Chain Innovation. I'm your host, William Crane. Launching a new product is both an exciting and stressful time. In this podcast, we'll share tips, tools, and resources to inform you of the latest trends in launching new hardware products from idea to delivery. Each episode, I'll bring you the top industry change makers that are shaping the way we bring future technologies to market. I've designed this show to provide you with condensed, actionable insights you can quickly implement to drive business value. So let's dive in and explore how we can outlaunch the competition. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where in the world you are. Welcome to Supply Chain Innovation. Really, really excited for uh, our guest today, uh, good friend Brian Spice, President and CEO of Disincrupt Supply Chain Services. Um, we just had some great discussions uh, over the years now uh, that we know each other about all things supply chain under the umbrella from logistics to warehouse to inventory to purchasing um, and how do you make immediate and also lasting impact as far as optimization right so we've got some interesting stuff to unpack today many of us are looking for change uh, in a positive way uh, so we're gonna have some hopefully humble ideas to, to get there maybe a little bit faster uh, than we teed up today but well brian uh, welcome to the show Hey, William, thank you for inviting me. Looking forward to some good, engaging conversations. Yeah, I always enjoy our, our talk. So um, one of the things I want to just unpack a little bit further, uh, no pun intended, before we dive into a couple um, topics, is uh, who ThyssenKrupp is, right? And admittedly, I, I was guilty of this in a past life. And I, I think for, for most diversified conglomerates, uh, I think we've all been guilty of that at times where you know, maybe we have some experience working with one sister company, part of the entity, uh, but that doesn't represent the whole, right? Uh, and so, sure, many listeners, uh, when they see ThyssenKrupp, they're expecting a certain <laughs> dynamic, right? And, and you're leading up uh, a part of a large uh, conglomerate. So could you maybe highlight for, for us uh, and listeners, you know, who ThyssenKrupp Supply Chain Services is, and maybe just touch on some of the other parts of ThyssenKrupp as well, if you don't mind. Certainly. Uh, so being a, a member company, uh, we're an independent uh, operating entity of the ThyssenKrupp Group. Uh, we are a third-party logistics firm with a lot of unique service offerings. Uh, we've, we've really played them out in the marketplace of hands, wheels, and walls uh, with our focus around uh, product testing, inspection, and the ability to remanufacture for customers. We certainly provide a number of different transportation services uh, up to and including uh, extensive yard management uh, for manufacturers, and then all forms of warehousing from very simple cross stock to you know, much more complex uh, supply chain management services uh, and leading up to sequencing and metering and so forth. Uh, so we are, we are positioned as an independent organization within the group of companies referred to as materials. And the materials uh, unit uh, is the largest unit within ThyssenKrupp, spanning the globe uh, with distribution services of virtually every metal, including base forms of metal uh, for melt and uh, other applications in forging and so forth. So we're one of the member companies of the materials group. Uh, ThyssenKrupp also has a uh, automotive uh, group of companies primarily focused around uh, steering. Uh, suspension and in uh, some other areas of transmission. The uh, the engineering side of the organization is focused around planning from large factory construction to cement a technology. And then finally, uh, we have our steel unit I'm operating in Europe predominantly. Uh, and there are different units up for sale. But our organization, Supply Chain Services, uh, has been uh, active within the group now for 13 years. So we're we're kind of new uh, relative to the brand name ThyssenKrupp. Appreciate that. That context is so helpful as we kind of navigate together what, what part of the entity we're, we're chatting about. Something you have there, which I really just love, I mean, a short, pithy uh, tagline. I think you guys have done a nice job of, of taking something that admittedly is, is very wide in scope of supply chain services and certainly uh, ThyssenKrupp has a wide uh, set of offerings, but this, this kind of tagline of hands, wheels, and walls uh, approach, right? I think is a nice, uh, succinct way of, of all the things that you do, right? Uh, and so it relates to optimizing logistics networks, uh, which is you know, can be a 
quite a, a, a expansive scope as well. And some of the full line services, whether it's you know, warehousing or transportation, quality inspection, like you mentioned. Um, give me a couple of case studies. Like, what does that look like in practical terms of how those services maybe are brought to bear for like a, a home building uh, supplier or an automotive supplier? Perfect. Yeah. So if I think about a, a case study from our warehousing business, uh, we, we, you know, we work extensively across uh, a, a number of industries, but we're, we're heavily involved uh, in automotive. And uh, I think one that uh, really has been exciting for us over the course of the last six years, we've been able to work with one particular OEM in the launch of uh, a handful of new vehicles for them where we, in collaboration with their manufacturing, production, engineering, supply chain teams, you know, we're able to put together a plan that uh, enabled the first launch, the second, the third, and the fourth over the span here now of the last five years with a clear focus on driving up inventory turnover, driving down the number of square footage in, uh, and, and employees involved in the storage and handling and transportation to a very, very measurable cost reduction for our customer that continues today to our optimization team. We have our own engineering team, again, in collaboration with theirs. And it's, it's a true testament to where we have worked very closely uh, to bring about more than 30% reduction in square footage from beginning to current. But during that period of time, from nearly zero vehicles to several thousand per month. So an exciting story there uh, that uh, we share a, a very, very open relationship uh, with that particular customer. And I think because of it, we've been able to do a lot of things that are not customarily done, uh, at least not that we see with other customers. You know, in our, in our transportation business, we provide a, a wide array from flatbed uh, over the road. Uh, obviously, every single focus we have is on just in time. But probably most unique with a different OEM uh, in the auto space, we took on the management of their yard on site for them, moving trailers in and out of the docks, controlling the inbound and also directing the outbound. And for us, in a period of uh, less than the, the first 12 months of launch, uh, but here now five years later, took a yard accuracy from 50%, which meant 50% of the time when the OEM went to the location where the trailer was supposed to be, it was not located in that location. And as such, they experienced significant downtime. One of the KPIs that we recommended uh, in the course of transitioning this work to managing it for them was that this be a major KPI and we stepped up to a 99% requirement. And I'm pleased to report that since implementing that KPI, we deliver 99% accuracy, which the trailers are where they need to be. The trailers are placed into the docks where they belong and they're removed when they're finished. Uh, here again, we've been at this now for four years and continuing to deliver that customer 99% accuracy in the yard and 100% on time in and out of the docks. That's fantastic. And you just gave us I mean, a, a tour de force of executive presence, executive summary of KPIs that make impact, right? And, and why, right? And I think that, that skill set just, again, demonstrated live here is really important whether you're, you know, later in your career, earlier in your career. Um, and if you're looking, whether it's, you know, we're talking about supply chain services, which is, you know, where your focus is, but any, you know, purchase component system service, right? Um, the ability to attack problems that matter, but also to quantify that current state and then desired future state and then get there, right? Um, man, that, that's how you sustain results, right? Because you can get there by luck, right? But you, you know, might not be bad sometimes, right? We all need a little bit of luck once in a while. But um, you know, how do you develop a plan, execute a plan, rinse and repeat? I think what you just outlined there was, was a great case study of that. So one of the things that, that uh, has always been impressive to me is, is just your career journey, uh, specifically um, the many hats that you've worn um, at uh, TK uh, on the supply chain side and on the material side, um, and just how much the, the company has grown uh, in a short you know, 13 you know, period time frame. So not only do you get to, to, to work with a lot of customers that have gone through growth or change, like some of the OEMs you just mentioned, right? But the company you actually lead and, and you know, 
serve as a servant leader, right, has also um, grown substantially, right? So, so you're kind of seeing it on, on both ends. But um, what would you say, I'm really curious in your perspective on this, would you say the, cure, the core driver for the company's growth? Is it competitor acquisitions, customer expansions, offering additions, all of that? Like what has changed most, I guess, for you as a leader in, in the last uh, five years being on that journey? Sure. Well, the core driver of our growth as an organization uh, is that uh, it's been 100% organically achieved with customers. We began um, as a very, very small acquisition of ThyssenKrupp uh, in 2006. Um, I, I, I took the realm in 2008. Uh, and our focus has all been saying yes and driving a yes culture within our organization to listen to our customers and to be able to respond with solutions. Uh, and generally speaking, those solutions have been very successful, uh, which has enabled us to grow more than tenfold over the course of the last 13 years. Uh, in terms of, for me as a leader, uh, particularly in this role, two real key uh, things for me. First of all, learning how critical it is that you have a strong emphasis on the building of your culture. Uh, when you're when you're growing as rapidly as we were and are uh, yet to this day, both uh, geographically as well as just new employees, new positions, is really focusing on the culture and the development of that. So I spend a significant amount of my time, uh, in addition to being with our customers, just being with our employees, engaging with them, and really developing the team atmosphere uh, founded and really rooted in trust. You know, secondly particularly this last five years, the dramatic rise of technology. Uh, it, it, it is daunting at times. And so as a leader, I've recognized that we need to embrace a technology. We need not to allow it to confuse, you know, be, be something that's so new that we shy away, but really delving deeply into the new tools that are available for us and to enable our customers. I love so many things you just said there. Uh, the, uh, I want to touch on the, the yes uh, culture because that's something in supply chain. I'd like to think that, that it, by and large, we, we have the uh, impression uh, as a as a as a discipline that, that we are creative thinkers. We have to be. That, that you you don't learn all this in a book. You have to experience it. You have to think critically, right? Um, but I think as we get you know uh, further in our careers, um, these best practices at times, at least I've experienced this personally, can hold us back a bit, right? Towards, well, you know, I haven't had success doing it that way, or this is the right way to do something, right? And so with all the change you just outlined, whether it's technology, uh, new industries, new ways of, of operating supply chains, omni-channels, right? Things like that. Um, we have to, to, to default to, it must be possible, right? If we're going to be successful in, a, in an evolving environment. So I just think what you said there was just so, so spot on. The uh, other thing that I want to also touch on is, is the culture side of, of that. Uh, certainly, uh, culture breeds scale. Right? We can only do so much as leaders. Uh, and so the more we can um, share that vision uh, and empower other leaders to lead, uh, to do, uh, that, that's how you scale you know, organization effectively. So, so good for you for, for sharing that. And thanks for uh, your thoughts on that. Um, I want to give you a, a shout out as well to the extended uh, TK team. You know, something I've personally been impressed with is, is you know, just the, the culture side of things, but the way you're seeking out other innovative companies to collaborate with. And I think that dovetails with your comment on technology, right? So certainly there's a lot of, a lot of buzzwords out there right now, you know, whether it's automation, AI, um, and there's a number of folks, I, I've been in the same meetings you have, where we're, we're um, you can see it in people's faces, right? I mean, they're, they're scared, right? And they're scared, is that gonna outsource my job or is that gonna uh, uh, negatively impact my company? Whatever that is, right? Um, and it doesn't mean the answer is no to that, right? But I think it, it means that um, change is afoot. To some extent, we can't control that. How do we lean into that, right? So um, I guess more pointed, how do you maybe either through culture, strategy, other means um, kind of facilitate that openness to partner uh, outside of even TK. What are some of the, I guess, attributes that you try to really uh, exude as it relates to that? That's a good question. Um, 
you know, as I did refer to culture earlier, and uh, when I think about our growth as a company, uh, we have we have a lot of great people that work for participant supply chain services, uh, which does mean at times we've had to uh, really, really hunt long and hard for the right people to join us and uh, and represent us properly in the marketplace. Uh, as we look at uh, partnering with, you know, more say an external partner, we really apply the same mindset. Uh, we start with, you know, in the discussions with the, the partners. And, you know, as you can imagine, there are a lot of people, uh, particularly in the technology space that, you know, they would like our, they'd like to talk to us about what they have. Uh, and so you spend time on that and, and you listen. For me, I start with the cultural alignment. Um, you know, how do we feel about how this organization is developed um, in our dialogue with them? Do they talk about their people? Do they talk about their values? Um, and, and how important does that come across to us? I think that's critical um, to us at TK Supply Chain. Uh, and then in the course of that, clearly, uh, is our customer needs, um, which are evolving. And so in many cases, when you're talking technology, it's not as though there's a product that's exactly what the customer said they need. It's understanding that if this partner brings a culture that is also collaborative, that can sit with us and the customer, and it may be that we've designed something new that isn't even what the relationship started out with, uh, and so I kind of call that that best in class culture. Um, you know, we'll, we'll sit through the demonstrations of, of the product, of the tool, and you know, our teams will analyze along with our customers. But we all know it takes the three of us, the customer, the partner, and ourselves to put the solution together. And those only really work well when the, the culture is aligned. Yeah, that's so, so well said. I mean, again, you just took a really, I think, abstract concept and 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 really a scary one off the off the shelf and and you know, applied a, a very practical lens to look at that. So you know, is it related to technology, new stuff, new ways of working, new business models like you outlined earlier too, right? Um, those can be scary. That's new. It's change, right? Uh, but if we can say change doesn't have to be scary, that the people side of that is the one consistent uh, data point, right? And so if you have whether it's a yes, you know, kind of mindset that the creativity uh, those same values um, that can help steer you through uh, that unknown. And again, whether that's external, internal, or some combination, is if many things are going that way, right? To, to expand collaboration outside your four walls, not necessarily invented here, but how does the ecosystem, if you will, um, collaborate to, to grow the pie? Um, keeping that eye consistently on what's in between people's ears, right? Well, how do they think, right? Um, that can help you again navigate that. So I appreciate you sharing that. So we're talking strategy a little bit here. Um, the personal anecdote, one of my favorite books is, is Blue Ocean Strategy. Uh, I'll give the, the Cliff Notes version of that is, is if you're uh, looking for new offerings or, or uh, service lines, products, looking to expand sales, right? Um, you want to be in blue oceans, positive, think clear skies, uh, maybe some birds flying out there. Uh, smooth sailing, right? Not not choppy waters. Uh, and you want to ideally uh, create, grow products that have uh, less competitors, uh, differentiate uh, your offerings, right? Uh, you'll make more money that way, uh, less less uh, margin focus, et cetera, as opposed to going head to head with competitors for commoditized things, right? Uh, those are kind of the red oceans, if you will, where all the, the sharks are at and, and bad things happen, right? Um, as you look to... to TK's supply chain services uh, today, um, what makes TK unique in the marketplace? How do you think about that from a strategy standpoint uh, to differentiate the business um, at this juncture? So two things come to mind when I think about that, though there may be a few others, but you know, aside from the fact that the cultural and people uh, development work is never done um, and we are very devoted to our people, uh, to developing and growing their talents and skills internally. Um, I really look uh, to the fact that we're not afraid to introduce new services uh, in response to the discovery of a customer need and make the investments uh, that are required, uh, in some cases, you know, at our expense, uh, relative to the size of the customer 
need that we're filling, we may absorb you know a, a majority of the expense. Uh, because when we say yes, which we 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 don't use that word lightly, uh, we really do intend to and do carry out uh, unique solutions. I mean, you know, we have launches going on as as we're speaking here, where you know we said yes to a very short and very compressed time frame, particularly in this past twelve months, with as we all know, supply chain disruption uh, is is increasing. Uh, we have said yes to some very very compressed timeframes for opening uh, warehousing uh, services for customers. And so uh, I find that this ability and willingness to say yes and then stand behind it with potentially a, a solution that we've either just borne the expense of labor or the additional expense of technology to deliver to the customer, uh, I find that to be a bit unique and I share it only because it's what we're told from our customers that they were not able to find that elsewhere. And I also feel that we really do try to ask and work with the customer on a solution so that what we're providing them, you know, in some cases may look like a commodity, but it was extremely focused on what the customer needed and, and wanted and was able to receive from us. And again, I go to this compressed timeframe. Um, in this last 12 months, uh, it's amazing the things that we've been able to do with the customers who will open up and, and work to collaborate. That's really good. And thanks for defining that yes, too, because I want to make sure that that, that doesn't get lost as, as we you know, kind of dive into that, is we've all been there. We've all asked for, it's not just services, it's anything that you buy, right? Uh, partner with others to get, right? Where someone says yes too quickly, they say, absolutely, we can do that yesterday and for free, right? And maybe they don't have the capabilities or um, maybe they underbid the opportunity or they just didn't deliver it or they didn't execute what they said they were going to, right? And that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about getting to that desired future state to say, okay, uh, this is a tight time frame in industry period, whether TK is the partner or anyone else, right? It's a big lift. The customer acknowledges that, right? Uh, there's tons of landmines that you know about on that journey already. Uh, and a lot of uh, them that you might discover together, right? But agreeing to that vision or that future state and committing to that, that is the yes you're after, right? And I think that that is, that is a, a, that's bold action. That's not, you know, to your point, kind of flip it. <laughs> um, yes, to get the business. That's like, we're going to be your partner on that journey. We know there's going to be bumps there, uh, but that hill is where we're going to get to. And I think that that's a, a, a big difference I would agree with you, especially these days, because everyone wants to put, you know, force majeure and a million asterisks next to anything. But I think those few folks like yourself that are saying, you know what, we're going to go on this this choppy water uh, sail together, um, but we're going to get you to that that island you want to get to is a, is a different different mindset that I'm, I agree with you, I'm sure is being appreciated. So one of the things we look across the, the globe, and I promise I wasn't picking up a, a, a sailing analogy there where that came from, but that, that, we talk about globe, globe flying later, but um, specific paintings though, I wanna, I wanna touch on that because we all have experienced those. Uh, they seem to be the black swan event of the month. If, if Brian and I were sitting here and we had a you know bunch of post-it notes and we're throwing them on a, a, the wall here, we probably wouldn't come up with the next event, right? Um, but but some of these customer pains that, that um, you're seeing out there in the marketplace. I mean, what, what are some of the, the challenges folks are looking to address? Um, you're saying, okay, like this is a pain, maybe you don't solve it per se, but but you've got some painkiller to, to mitigate that, right? Because I, I think that's where I'm noticing a lot of my conversations, people are being really practical. They're saying, hey, this might not even be solvable. Um, how do I mitigate this so that I can get more agility? How do I address some of this so I can get back to what I need to do versus the, the constant firefighting. Because uh, some of these these headwinds, uh, they're, they're dragging us down, right? I mean, they're leading inefficiencies, et cetera. But what are some of the, the pains you're seeing right now in the marketplace? And then what are some of those those specific actions that, that your team is taking? I think, you know, again, as I just think in terms of the, really the last 12 months, and quite honestly, I, I, I believe the next 12 months, um, the word that like kind of best comes to me uh, with this thought is, you know, flexibility. They don't know when their material, when their parts are going to show up because they're either still in the host country, the manufacturing source of origin, 
or they're stuck at a port or somewhere you know from the port and so there's there's a tremendous right now um, tension in the in what I would just say is the broad global supply chain and and it's increasing and, and again I, I really do believe it's it's going to increase yet as we go forward and so you know as we look at the kind of the inbound perspective uh, customers have a significant amount of pain on hey they probably have too much inventory right now or they have in general they have too much but not enough of the right and so we're, we're certainly seeing a lot of tension on they're not their, their inability to complete the, the cycle of manufacturing um, and so a we are uh, creating a lot of flexible solutions for people when it comes to a very very short-term temporary storage uh, working with them I'm, I, I call it short term because we're in a very non-typical or a time of redesign of your global supply chain. And so we're, we're seeking to provide the flexible approach there. Uh, but longer term, you know, what they're really looking for is on, on, the, on the inbound of their assembly line, which ultimately leads to the outbound of their finished product. You know, where can you talk about more sophistication to help them plan their inventory more effectively, number one? And then number two, what more can we do um, as a partner that really meters into them what they need today to make today's production in addition to the flexibility on either the oversupply coupled with the undersupply and it, it really kind of boils down to this word flexibility thanks for sharing that that's so spot on the change is the foot right and, and change is not to your point i wholesale agree with you none of us have first of all it's going to keep happening right uh, everything this isn't just in the last you know year we've seen this for you know, a decade plus and frankly a longer duration if you look at your you know, study of history is you know for, for a long period of time uh whether you call it industrial revolutions uh our mouse wheel has been spinning faster our data has been exponentially growing right um change is happening more frequently not just in the u.s but globally um and so it's not negative or positive but but we need to be pragmatic we need to be realistic as leaders and we need to um, lean into uh, embracing that, right? Because if we do that, the, the, the world can truly um, be our oyster to some extent. Um, an interesting thing, and I wanna dive a little bit further into this. We talk about pains, we talk about challenges, we look at glass half full kind of opportunities, right? Interesting thing I've seen is the disconnect at times or, or the perceived problem, if you will, isn't actually the, the root cause of the problem, right? Um, so, you know, whether you're deploying lean tools or other you know, 5Y uh, tools to get to the actual root cause, um, that can be extremely enlightening and you're not chasing your tail of the, of the wrong, wrong problem solution, right? But, but can you give me a couple examples? Because you see so many different industries, different customers of maybe a specific disconnect that you're seeing right now um, in an industry or just, you know, customers of something where they come to you and say, hey, Brian and team, I have this challenge. I need to solve this yesterday, right? They're coming to you as, as their trusted partner to solve that. And you're like, okay, thanks for sharing that. You unpack that. And you're like, ah, it's, this is, it's not A, it's B, right? Um, are, there, are there any correlations that you're seeing lately with all the change of a lot of people come to you for A, but when you, when you really dive further, it's actually B? I mean, the reality is um, that goes on like all the time. Because so often within, you know, a large manufacturing organization and very good ones, um, they don't always have clear communication from, you know, the various departments within the organization. And so many times when the discussion, say, comes to us, it may be to, you know, improve, say, a, a turnaround time, maybe a, an ability to move a product in half the time that we would normally be required to. You know, we have some contracts where the, the delivery of goods is, you know, hours. Um, others uh, could be within a specific day, but a very specific time frame within the day. But we ultimately find that we're sub-optimizing an improvement that ultimately can never really be carried out because we didn't go to the root cause, which may have been more of a manufacturing practice, uh, may well have been a purchasing practice, a procurement, uh, or, or in, in some cases, the actual engineering design itself. And I think that's where, you know, as we started the discussion in the OEM case study that we talked about, 
uh, where, where we were able to really play an instrumental role in not only driving up production, but driving down cost, it's when we finally were able to collaborate across every function, uh, maybe not you know, things such as marketing, but we were involved in, in virtually every function. And, and we stopped focusing on, say, a, an element, but we started focusing on the whole chain. And so, you know, they, they all kind of come in, in, in what I'm trying to say. It's not an easy answer that I'm coming up with here, but it tends to be like a rifle approach instead of maybe really taking almost a shotgun approach. But each, each shot, you then do your 5Y discussion and you ultimately find out there isn't one item to resolve. There might be three that ultimately are interconnected. But it takes collaboration. It takes a willingness to get the people to the table uh, to talk through it. Certainly. And I think that's, that's just so important right now, too, because our supply chains are getting more complex, right? There's change. There's more data. There's, frankly, more stakeholders, right? Our traditional buyer-supplier relationship, those are being disrupted in many industries, right? The traditional uh, structures of them, right? Um, and so it, it, it's not as simple to your point to come up with a, a one-size-fits-all solution of, oh, I see A, so it has to be C, right? There's more variables, A, B, C, D, E, and F, right? It doesn't mean that you got to delay some optimization or, or whatever that vision is or thing you're attacking. But what you really articulated there, at least I took away, was it's really, really important right now to make sure that you involve others inside your organization, get different perspectives, right? Um, maybe have that uncomfortable conversation that might take an extra day with the customer. Um, don't just grab a hammer and start hammering away because they said, I need this nail pounded, right? Uh, but, but ask some follow-on questions, right? Um, because the answers to those could unpack the actual, a better solution, right? That wasn't even on the table, you know, at that juncture, right? And so I think the ability to really be creative, uh, continue to do the work, not that any of us have more time these days, right? Uh, but that's going to get you to live differently versus just, oh, we've got a, a fire, put it out, got a fire, put it out, right? And that's where a lot of my conversations are centered lately is, you know, people can't work a 14th hour, right? I mean, you can't sustain that uh, and actually, you know, think straight, right? And so throwing ourselves into the fire of the day isn't um, a sustainable solution, right? So how do we live differently? How do we actually, maybe in your, to your point, kind of restructure our supply chain? Um, those are the conversations that we want to make sure we're having um, to really get to those, those truly impactful um, outcomes that we really want to get to. Yeah. So one of the things that, that you outlined in that last comment there too was what is supply chain's role in not just optimizing sourcing or optimizing on-town delivery. Certainly those KPIs that we have studied in academia, we, you know, we do a great job of, right? It's a lot of work, we do it, right? Um, how does supply chain continue to elevate uh, itself as a profession to, to continue to add additional value above and beyond what we do today to the company's success, to all stakeholder success, right? Uh, one of the things I think Tisicrep does a really nice job of, in my whole opinion, is the mission statement, right? I mean, it's the hold yourselves accountable, higher standard, um, engage like entrepreneurs with confidence, right? Passion, courage, some of the, the very words that you used you know, earlier, right? How do you take that mission statement, right? Uh, and drive that to ultimately help customers with that success? I mean, how do you, how do you help your customers be more competitive uh, leveraging that, that mission? So a significant amount of study has been borne out to prove that companies with high trust cultures uh, move faster. Uh, certainly there are economic benefits that are demonstrated there. Uh, that as, as I look at, you know, again, within our culture, uh, our, our purpose statement as an organization has always been uh, that our purpose is to enable our customers to accelerate production, uh, which we know increases their value. And so that purpose within our culture, uh, living out this mission, you know, first and foremost is building our culture on a foundation of trust so that our employees whether it is, is certainly whether it's me or any one of the final touch point employees with the customer that where you have trust, 
the speed of that relationship, and I and I see this. We I see when we have high trust, we can make decisions with customers in minutes, or maybe even hours, or maybe even a day, but instead of weeks or months. And that speed that we've been able to build. Uh, I'd like to say with all of our customers, but certainly with the majority and with those with whom we work the closest, uh, creates then the ability for the customer to begin talking to us about things like, you know, this broad topic called Industry 4.0. You know, hey, here's here's kind of what we're thinking. We're investing in some technology over here, um, and then we find our role as a supply chain partner because to build a trust culture comes down to as well doing the right things right all of the time. Every time you do it right, you increase trust in the relationship between employees and then between us and the customer. And having seen this, it enables us to listen to our customer and attack actual cost drivers that neither of us is afraid of the outcome. We're not afraid on our end that our scope is reduced and we're gonna sell them less. Our focus is on their success because their success when it's tied to us does ensure not only a long-lasting relationship, but also their longevity in requiring us. And so our focus has to be on how to enable our customers to compete in the marketplace and grow. Yeah, it just gives a, a really valuable lesson there because there's a couple of things. If you take a look at, so we were talking about testing crops mission statement. So the, the company testing crop, right? Um, as a You're also a fellow supply chain practitioner and leader, right? And so, and you do supply chain services, right? But you, you've aligned the company's mission with how does that apply to supply chain, right? And that's been an interesting uh, observation, at least on, on my end, that many of us in manufacturing and services, pick your industry, right? Our company mission statements could be extremely aspirational, right? Uh, but if we were to read those and internalize those with our supply chain teams, there tends to be a bit of a gap in some instances, right? So how do we, um, in your case, help our customers um, speed up production? How do we get more agility? Those are the things that they exude and you've taken that from the mission statement, and internalized that, that this is how supply chain, we help uh, advance our mission as a company and by default, our customer success, right? And so finding ways to translate in practical terms, not up in the clouds, like we're gonna empower customer success. Like what does that actually mean, right? Does supply chain maximize uh, reducing cost or uh, flexibility, right? It doesn't mean that you have to pick cost over flexibility, right? If we're using those two examples, but it does mean that there are certain things that are more important, right? I'm thinking of a, a completely different industry that we're talking about here, defense, right? Uh, there's a number of, of defense contractors that we partner with. Yes, they care about cost, just like all of us in supply chain do, but it's mission critical that they deliver a hundred percent on time every time, right? Uh, and so they'd rather have a slightly higher piece cost in some cases to make sure that this uh, armored vehicle gets delivered at set time, right? So I think finding ways that, to do what you have done a fantastic job of at your company, take those, in some cases, abstract mission statements, work with your supply chain team to make them more practical. Because these are the priorities, these are the action items that we're going to take on and lead for the company that are gonna dovetail with that higher level mission. Yeah, right on. So one of the things I want to also talk about, there's kind of two polar views on this, super curious view perspective on this based on our technology uh, recent chats, is, is you got supply chain automation, artificial intelligence tools, and that's, those are broad umbrellas in themselves, right? You get kind of one view of the world where supply chain professionals are going to lose their job at technologies, right? So guys like you and I and our teams are going to be, you know, no more at some point in the future, right? Not great, kind of in the doldrums, right? Then you get the second world view, which is, is kind of a spoiler alert. This is where... I'm firmly in this camp, is supply chain professionals are going to leverage technology tools, whether it's you know, the buzzwords of, of AI, machine learning, whatever it is, right, to really augment um, their work, right, to outsource some of the tactical stuff that, frankly, is a bear. Um, and so they elevate the profession, focus on making better decisions, intelligent decisions, right, uh, so you can, no surprise, get more stuff done, right? Um, and there's not a right or wrong view on this, right? I think they can be correlated to some extent of, of where people spend their time, but um, curious your thoughts on this. How do you view technology from a broad sense? Um, what use cases do you see that just make sense at this juncture? And maybe what are you looking at in the future as well? 
Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, my, my first reaction to the question is, you know, technology will replace roles that were never intended because they don't add value. And so, yeah, there's no denying that there may be some quote unquote fallout. I think it's probably quite small. Uh, but the reality is every day, most people do not complete what they set out to do uh, because of those chipmunks that pop up throughout the day. And the, 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 the beauty of the right tools that mitigate either the frequency of the chipmunks or eliminate those kinds of unexpected interruptions to the day that not only create distraction, they can create frustration and direct, you know, keep people from doing their real work. So I, I look at the, the, the broader technology and I look at it in the light of um, those who are planning out the supply chain, those in the procurement side, those in the logistics side. Quite honestly, I suspect very few of them whose roles add value are, are going to be eliminated. But with the right embracing, you're going to be adding people because those who do this right are going to grow and survive. And those who do not are not going to grow and survive. Um, so I, I look at it as the enabler to achieving 100% of what you set out to do that day. I love that, that description of chipmunks too. Not all chipmunks are, are the pleasant cartoons, but they can be extremely distracting and, and not very helpful. So that's a, that's a great announcement. Uh, but what are the other macro trends I want to touch on? And obviously, you know, this this touches on some very very strategic uh, dynamics, some of which we can talk about, you know, offline, but not necessarily on the show. But just you know, more of a macro, you know, perspective as a, as a leader in this space, right? Is there's a number of I think what you and I would would subscribe to is traditional industrial companies, right? Uh, wildly successful, you know, brands been around for in some cases hundred plus years, right? Um, have acquired companies that on paper are completely different. So if we talk about Blue Ocean earlier, they're way over here, right? Way not even connected. Don't do that today. Um, and it's caused quite a quite a stir, as you would imagine, um, due to not just the valuations of these acquisitions, but according to one, it's the very bold way in which they have moved into uh, be serious players in these spaces, right? So a couple come to mind uh, that have been noteworthy lately are Rockwell's acquisition of actually a fellow uh, Michigan-based company, uh, Plex, and then Panasonic's uh, even more recent acquisition of another software company, Blue Yonder. Those are both kind of, I would consider bold moves. Um, as you think about maintaining TK's leadership role, what strategic moves are you taking now to position the company? How do you view, um, not that those are even direct competitors, but moving into some of these new offerings, new tech, um, just curious on your point of view on that in general. So, you know, here again, um, recognizing that either A, we would need to be the best owner of technology at TK Supply Chain, or whether we would need to be the partner um, you know, again, aligning ourselves uh, with uh, the various uh, technology uh, providers to pro to enable us the ability. Again, I, I go back to this flexibility that I that customers can't always quantify, but I look at it in the three key areas. You know, they have their manufacturing operations, and those operations need inventory. And you know, I, I think one of the key areas that, that, that I'm particularly seeing that we've been able to listen closely is how can a customer optimize their inventory so that they can make what they wanna make. And it's key, they can make what they wanna make and they all want more flexibility in switching product lines around rapidly when they see either trends in the marketplace or they see inventory uh, building on a product that isn't selling and they wanna make those quick changes uh, so, so inventory to me is becoming such a critical element. A, can you keep proper track of that inventory? Uh, so uh, let's get to the fundamental. Are you keeping good measures of inventory? Are they accurate? But then are you able to evaluate from what I would say is a flexible, kind of rapidly changing manufacturing plan? Can you, can you help map out and plan those inventory levels with your customer? Generally speaking, they like to provide more of the control there, which is very, very fine. But where can we come along with them to enable them that? And there are tools that will enable that type of work uh, where they can plan, you know, each part as it correlates to each finished product. And then finally, 
you know, technology that I see in, in, our, in our world is transportation-based technology. Um, I think we're all well aware the world of transportation is in, is in a state of chaos right now and most likely is not going to get a whole lot better. And so how do we provide that, that visibility? How do we make transportation a little less critical? It's never not critical, but what inventory plans can we provide? So transportation's a little less critical, but still a part of the formula. So we're investing in technology to be able to provide greater transparency to customers who can see their inventory across the supply chain. I appreciate that. And the uh, Latin proverb comes to mind, fortune favors the bold. Bold can come in different forms though, right? And it doesn't have to be a billion dollar acquisition, uh, a certain type of technology, et cetera. There's multiple right answers to the question. There's so many variables to your point, whether it's inventory, logistics, distribution, warehousing, right? And we're just talking about one subset of the overall supply chain, right? And yeah. so you can partner for success, you can form ventures, you can also acquire someone, you can develop your own internal technology, right? Uh, but the, the key theme I think I picked up, you know, from your perspective is you need to be an active participant in that. Uh, you need to keep an open mind, right? You need to lean in on multiple fronts, right? Because none of us uh, know what that future is going to hold and things are evolving so rapidly that making sure your team has that yes mindset and leans into um, can that bleeding edge, whatever that is, right, is really, really key. To kind of uh, wrap up our, our time together, as you look out in the next couple of years, like what most excites you about where supply chain services is headed, uh, the impacts you're, you're going to be currently working on for customers and, and working to take across the finish line, like what really excites you about the years ahead for you and uh, the TK team? So, you know, we really, you know, as we, as we continue to challenge ourselves to be better for our customers and um, I think in, in all openness, we realize that we do some things really well, and yet there are areas we want to become much better uh, that are part of our ambition. Uh, what excites me is I really do believe that the manufacturing world has always been exciting to me because they take things and they make things, and uh, we buy those things and we use those things. And so as, as I look at how the, the landscape uh, is changing and how speed to market, how being able to, you know, you look at the automotive studies and the fresher the vehicle lineup, the better the OEM performs in every financial measure, but it's also just that whole customer satisfaction that manufacturers really want to drive up. So when I look out at the future, I see that the supply chain expectations from companies like ours, if we're going to stay, and be a part of things, we need to, to move faster. We need to be able to move uh, faster for our customers. Uh, we we, we, we want to be a part of them, you know, redesigning their, their, their flow of uh, manufacturing flow. Uh, we want to be a part of participating in their, their inbound supply chain flow and their outbound. Uh, and we feel like we're preparing ourselves to that and being a part with companies that look to us for more complex services and you know for that that drives up partnerships and it again comes out of relationships you know built on trust and, and we like when we have relationships where we have very strict kpis that tie to our customer success because without a successful customer you know we don't have anything and so we, we really like it when customers and we're seeing much much more interest in putting together agreements where we are truly carrying out the customer's strategic you know, best interests. That's a great summary. I really appreciate that. I always enjoy our discussions. Uh, we talked about so many different topics today, but a couple of things that really stood out to me was just whatever the buzzword is, whether it's a product line, a, you know, some KPI, it all boils down to people, right? And, and, and as servant leaders, um, it's our teams that do the, the heavy lifting, right? It's, it's them that we need to uh, be that guardian of the culture to make it better than it was yesterday. And if we do that, and that's that's hard work, that's that point that never work never ends, right? Uh, but if we protect that culture and make it better each day, uh, what we can accomplish, even in this dynamic world, is extremely exciting, right? And um, that allows us to, to set those uh, future state KPIs a little bit more aspirational, right? To, to, to say yes and, and to move boldly into that, that unknown. So thanks for being such a, a fantastic guest. Again, always enjoy our discussions and and a number of good takeaways from, from this episode, for sure. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure.
Thank you for your valuable time. I hope this episode delivered practical tools to help you infuse more intelligence into your product launches. Want to learn more or discuss topics or reviewed further? I welcome your questions, comments, and feedback on this episode. You can reach me via email at william.crane at industrystar.com, on LinkedIn, William, the letter J, Crane, J-R, or join the conversation in our LinkedIn group, Supply Chain Innovation, Tips and Tools for New Product Launches. Now go out there and outlaunch your competition. Greetings, William Crane, CEO of Industry Star here. Do you need to reduce the cost of a complex product assembly? There are several reasons, from creating customer proposals, to developing new products, to improving production profitability. Several dependencies must be considered simultaneously. Like a quarterback can call an audible to change a play, Industry Star's supply performance software offers multiple plays to accelerate your goals. To support supply chain leaders, our team crafted the Product Cost Optimization PCO Playbook. The playbook offers three winning plays to accelerate your team's results and at zero risk to you. One, when we assess your product and identify $100,000 of savings and you move forward with our software solution, our $5,000 assessment fee is credited back to you. Two, if you don't move forward with our software solution, you pay our assessment fee and keep our playbook. And three, if we cannot find $100,000 in savings, you keep our assessment fee and our savings ideas. Email me at info at industrystar.com to explore if the PCO playbook could accelerate your product cost optimization goals. Here's to developing complex product assemblies at the optimal cost in the days ahead.